As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do the little extra things to get it. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of 11 Personnel is Visa a network working for everyone. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Jordan, we have a lot to talk about. Oh my so, gosh. Wow. Um, want to talk about Justin Hollins. Really, really disappointed for, for yeah. Justin Hollins. Um, but uh, big game, Jordan, and... Uh, I know after the game, you guys asked Sean McVay, what does this win mean? And Sean McVay, as only a coach can, said, means we're 3-0. Ah, yes. But, but Jordan, what did this mean? I mean, honestly, you, you wrote a great column about it that's live right now on The Athletic, on the app, on the website for everybody who's subscribed. Should have already read it, but if you haven't already, right after this podcast is over, go read it. But Jordan, this is one of those games, right? I mean, it's week three of the regular season, but you're talking about the defending Super Bowl champions coming into your backyard. Great team, super talented, Tom Brady, and the Rams played really well and controlled most of that game. So what did this mean, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, they dictated the entire game, um, not just on offense, which was notable, but most of the game on defense as well. And I think this is the most complete game they've played, obviously, this year. It's been a short year so far. And that's the grain of salt that we always take with the, these things is that it has been it has been a short year so far. This was week three. Right. To look like this in week three, you know, pretty remarkable stuff. I think a lot of people, I mean, there were some parts, we'll get to them, that were messy in areas. And there always probably will be in this wonderful, stupid game of football that we love so deeply. <laughs> but I just... I came away really impressed with how much command both sides of the ball had. And I guess special teams too, which they didn't they didn't mess up really, other than that really awkward penalty that backed them way up, but then they ended up getting points on the drive. Right. So I won't rant about it too much. And Joe <laughs> DiCamillis won't be called into the podium session this week um, <laughs> like he was last week. Right. But um the command that they had in, in in all those in all phases, not just from an execution standpoint, but from a planning standpoint, from a design standpoint, I just thought it was 
outstanding. And I think that this, you look at the numbers and the numbers are great. The stats are great. But when you first look at how everybody is, for the most part, other than maybe one or two errors, where they're supposed to be, first of all, they have a command of the situation, even if the situation doesn't go exactly the way that they want it to go. They are collectively problem solving in real time. They are collectively growing on both sides of the ball in real time when faced with various problems uh, presented by the opponent. And they're sort of sticking to what they – they feel very self-aware to me. Does that make sense? Like they, they're sticking yeah. to what they know and who they know they are. And I think that starts with the camaraderie that they have. And this is a lot of what my column was about. And i kind of been waiting because it's kind of been a feeling that you've had like – or that I've had when um, just being around the, around the building, which – Again, very glad we're able to do that this year um, and do so yeah. safely. But just the feeling you have, like everybody is very uh, self-aware and very assured about themselves and who they are and very comfortable with being who they are and very comfortable with each other being who each other is. Grammatically, a terrible sentence, but you get the idea. <laughs> everybody is – everybody. It's, it's what Aaron Donald said. Everybody likes each other. It's fun playing together. He likes going to work every day. Right. I mean, he, they love playing. I would go so far as to say they love playing with each other. And you have like sort of this um, – when you have this sort of emotional intelligence that comes out of that, just speaking as people, when you are comfortable sharing with the class that you just wrapped your quarterback in a hug and like told him you loved him and, oh, by the way, you're the best player on the planet <laughs> – <laughs> but you're comfortable sharing that, you know, in a public space. Oh, and then like you're just talking about how much you guys like working with each other and everybody comes in that room post game and it's just nobody's too hyped up. Everybody's like, you know, very focused and you feel that energy and you kind of just feel like everybody's really locked in. And now, you know, it's a long season. They're going to have to sustain this. But I think when you have kind of emotional intelligence of that level, Throughout, collectively, throughout the entire locker room. And, and that's how it truly and earnestly feels to me is that these guys just just like being around each other and they talk to each other about stuff and they are they just let each other be each other, who each other is and right. be their truest self and their fullest self. And I think Sean McVay just doesn't mess with that too much. Like he just doesn't he doesn't try to change that. And I think that's what you felt. You felt that confidence and that self-awareness. And that comes first and foremost when you have a type of of environment like that, and I just think that's really really important. And and um, you know, I know that it can come off as like, oh, let's talk about feelings. You know, football is all about feelings, guys. Like, <laughs> football is is a set of rules and a whole mess of feelings. That's what sure. football is. <laughs> and and I just think that um, this this is just that was very cool. I think to sort of catch the edge of that energy, you know, we're on the outside looking in still, even though we're, we're in the building and everything, but to catch the edge of that, um, of that sort of solar system that they've created and to uh, sort of catch a small glimpse of an understanding of really what it is that they're trying to build in there and what it is that they maybe have, but are trying to maintain and sustain, um, and it was all about possibility, you know. To me, that that didn't feel, you know, it felt the win was important, and they all felt they all felt it was notable. And you beat Tom Brady, and like you, you know, you you beat him in your house, with a packed house with all of these celebrities watching, and 
and just the the crowd was amazing and you you establish that home field advantage and you beat you beat the the Super Bowl champions the defending Super Bowl champions for the second year in a row right. and that is is def- is definitive and that is a statement but at the same time like the cool thing was the very real awareness of these guys in balancing what they had just accomplished with the sort of beauty and in, in not fully quite knowing yet what is truly possible for them. But, but like their excitement and wanting to explore that. And I think that's kind of the, the balance of, like I said, like the, just the jumble of feelings that they were sorting through post game um, Sunday night. Yeah. Great. Great. Well said, Jordan. And I, I agree. I, I give a lot of credit to Sean McVay because it's hard. It must be hard as a coach to manage all of those people and, and try to keep them together. But he does a great job with it. And he has done a great job with it since he, he got hired. And uh, the one thing I would say in addition to that is I look at two guys. I look at Aaron Donald and I look at Andrew Whitworth and just two guys who are I don't even think they have to say a word sometimes. I, I think you can just look at them and the way that they carry themselves and the attitude that they have and the confidence that they carry themselves with and that attitude of, you know, not going to get too excited, not going to get too up or down either way, uh, going to go about business. And you watch them play and often you wouldn't know whether the score is 42 to nothing or whether it's 38-37 and there's 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. They play the same way. They act the same way. And I think guys like that are tone setters. Um, I think Matthew Stafford coming in is a tone setter. Uh, You know, players like that who really just their teammates gravitate toward them or revolve around them almost like a like a moon you know and and i think those guys have always been that and it's it's impressive i don't think you can teach that i don't i don't think you can turn a player into that they either are that or they aren't that and that's the one thing that was impressive to me about this this game in particular is a lot of what you're saying jordan i don't want to repeat all the, all the great points that you made but there were times in that game where things we're getting a little sideways. I mean, the offense had a terrible start. Uh, the defense went through a couple periods there where it got a little bit wonky where you're going, oh, are they going to blow this thing or are they going to hold on? But I never got the sense that it was like uh, they're not going to be able to figure this out. They're, they're not. Uh, it's just this is a lost cause game. And over the last year and a half, did get that feeling sometimes where you're just in the middle of a game and you thought, it's not going to happen. They're not Dude. just, just going to figure it out, especially on offense. And I just did not get that sense at all on Sunday watching this game. Yeah, Matthew Stafford, he, I don't know, something, something was going on there in the first quarter. Like he wasn't, he wasn't sharp. I don't know. You saw he, Ted Lasso was in the crowd, man. Got all excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so something was going on there, but you didn't think like, and again, like I've defended Jared Goff a lot, but there were a lot of games where Jared Goff started off and you went, uh-oh, it's going to be one of those games, huh? And you didn't get that sense about Matthew Stafford. It was like, all right, he's a little bit off right now, but think he's going to figure it out. And of course he did with another uh, fantastic game for Matthew Stafford, 27 of 38, 343 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's a big number. That zero is a big number. And uh, he's done a real good job with that. Offensive line, we got to talk about the offensive line at some point, Jordan. The defense, good. The tart, Jordan, the tart they, has tightened. The tart has been tightened, yes. <laughs> 
What a fantastic week it was oh on Twitter, my God. by the way. I love you guys who ran away with this. I, I texted Rich last week, and I was like, I think I just did something that I had. No, I, I now have no control over. <laughs> right, right. And uh, Rich was like, it's probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wake up and it's like, everybody's like, hashtag tighten the tart, yeah. hashtag tighten the tart. I was like, oh my God, imagine being like opposing media coming in each week and like assessing right. the beat writers and like what everyone's talking right. about and seeing all this and being like, what the shit are they talking about? <laughs> but I will say every time it just made my day there, you guys are in the comment sections. You guys are in my mentions. You guys are in the podcast reviews. I think someone left a review on our app. Like it just, nice. <laughs> like it just was so funny. But I will say, manifesting, you yes. manifest. If you manifest, if you're baking, right? <laughs> yes. And you manifest a non wobbly tart. Uh huh. If you manifest it hard enough, yeah, you're gonna get a non wobbly tart, Rich. Yeah, I, I think that's what it was. They just players just went was. out there. They said, they went, "This is embarrassing. We can't be described like this. It's a terrible metaphor. <laughs> Tighten up your metaphors, Jordan. Damn we it. We are not wobbly tarts. Wobbly that, tart I of a metaphor. That's what I'm saying. That was the Raheem Morris uh, <laughs> pregame uh, pregame pep talk. You're gonna let them call you wobbly tarts? <laughs> no, coach. All right, let's go out there and do it. Um. Justin Hollins, though, like, yeah. gosh darn, like, I mean, what a great pickup that guy was and just really loved what what he did. Jordan, what what did you find out today? Because it didn't, you know, when I heard the postgame comments Sunday night, they made me wince a little bit thinking that, you know, oh, boy, doesn't that sounds like a bad one. And then uh, we found out today that wasn't great news. So what, what do we know about uh, Justin? Yeah, you know, um, that really sucks for him and it sucks for, for the team. Like it just, you know, he's been working so hard. He's now on the, the Leonard Floyd plan where they have their separate warmups um, before stretches and all that stuff. Like that's how far along he's come. You, you need a certain status to be able to do that. Right. right. And so um, it was interesting though. Someone uh, who kind of had some knowledge of the injury, like mentioned to me after the game that uh, if it weren't, if it didn't happen that close to the end of the game, the, and, you know, he, he probably could have gone back in, but it's still, that's an injury right. you want to get fixed. You know, if it was a more crucial situation, maybe he would have, but it could partially torn pectoral muscle. You know, Sean McVay said he expects him to be out eight to 10 weeks. So he's going to be on IR. And then you, you know, you have an eight week, eight game IR, and then you hope that he's ready down the stretch. In the meantime, you hope that Obo Okoronkwo, who's coming back from short-term IR, he had a little bit of shoulder issue. He's coming back this week. So you hope that he gets into a rotation with Charles Lewis, who had a fantastic game on Sunday. The key thing here, though, Rich, is they are still managing Terrell Lewis. They will be managing Terrell Lewis in terms right. of that knee issue. 30 snaps, that's that's a, a pretty big number for him. And I don't expect that to be consistent, you know, week over week, that it's it's 30 snaps. They're their number. A couple of people in the building talking to me about this uh, over the last year or so, like their ideal number for Terrell Lewis, somewhere, you know, 20 to 30, between 20 and 30 per game, because they know he can maximize them. I mean, look what he did um, yeah. on Sunday. They know he can maximize those snaps. So you're going to make sure that um, you're in a rotation with Obo Okoronkwo. The problem here 
is that Oboe also has an injury history. So now you're kind of like two guys with an injury history rotating opposite of Leonard Floyd. So then maybe you pull Justin Lawler up again. Um, You know, he was on the practice squad and was pulled up twice. So now he has to be pulled up um, for the long haul, essentially, on the 53 man in order to – so you don't have to cut him. And then Chris Garrett came off COVID. He was on the COVID list for about 20 days and only came off the list last week, only just started kind of working out on the side last week, got a couple of snaps on Sunday. He, they're getting his feet back under him. Like, he he's recovering, and right. they're getting his feet back under him. And so it's just going to be a work in progress, not only figuring out kind of what these magic numbers are for these two guys opposite Leonard, but, you know, also – Dealing with, you know, who who replaces it, who comes in and, and how do you rotate with the, with the replacement? And then Leonard Floyd didn't practice last week because he has a high – he's dealing with a high ankle issue. And mm. as you know, the high ankle injuries, they are finicky and they can just kind of pop up and go away and pop up again. And it's a sensitive yeah. thing. So he's managing that too. So they, they are certainly managing uh, Leonard in that regard. And there's just not a lot of depth other than those guys. So – Um, you know, you're really just, this is a a big Reggie Scott thing. This is going to be, it's going to be, uh, a huge, huge, uh, maybe, you know, pressure defining thing. Um, I I won't say season defining because Reggie Scott does so much behind the scenes to keep these guys healthy that it's just crazy. But in terms of like what the Rams pressure is going to look like off the edge, it certainly is a pressure defining thing is figuring out what that management plan is and then executing and then keeping these guys healthy, um, for long enough until Justin can come back. Yeah, and you know Kyler Murray coming in to the to the stadium on Sunday. I mean, they, it's not going to get any easier in terms of a guy like that who you're going to have to get some pressure on and, and try to control. So, yeah, I, I agree. Jordan. I, I feel like it's it's a little bit it's 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 on the edge right now. You know, I feel like if if you know they could get Oboe back and he stays healthy, keep Terrell Lewis, you know, rolling the way he has been. Probably be okay, but they're one more. They're one injury away from this being like a, a big problem, and you're dealing with some guys who have injury issues, Oboe and Terrell Lewis. So uh, it's you know kind of tough to think that you're going to get through the next eight weeks without either one of those guys picking up some type of knickknack injury or, or whatever it may be. So yeah, I, I tend to think this this opens it up for Justin Lawler. Um, he was a guy who. You know, I probably would have put on the original 53. Uh, I understand why they didn't. And, you know, they ended up doing probably the right thing by getting him through onto the practice squad. And now they can uh, elevate him if they want to. I think he becomes a real hinge guy in in this, uh, whether he can join the rotation and take a certain percentage of those snaps. And then, yeah, you just you got to hope Oboe can get up to speed and, and can stay healthy. And then it's kind of like how... How far do you want to push Terrell Lewis? You know, like you said, Jordan, they've done, Reggie Scott, the whole team, they've done a real good job of keeping him on that plan, you know, very, very strict. And I'm sure the temptation is there to push that sometimes because he's been playing pretty well and you, you want to get him out there. But, you know, this past game, 34 of the 73 snaps. So he's out there for 47%. That seems even on the high side for, uh, for, you know, what kind of what we've been talking about. But just kind of a question of how do you want to push that? How confident are you? In a guy like Chris Garrett, uh, the, do you want to put him out there a little bit more? Is he ready for that? Um, so there's um, there's some questions here, and, and obviously the you start getting into these NFC West games that the Rams 
are going to get into playing Arizona, playing Seattle. Uh, it's uh, the challenge is right in front of you with with some of these passing offenses and the need to to get to the quarterback. So uh, it's uh, boy, just just hate it though. Gosh, really, really just love that Justin Hollins pickup and 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 love what what he was able to do and uh, just just devastating uh, for, for a guy like that. But uh, Jordan, uh, you know, how do we how do we look at this this defense because we've talked a lot about it a, a lot about it and and I think in in your other column uh, that you, you published. Jordan's been very busy over the last uh, 24 yeah, hours. And I got roasted here. for my coffee habits. No pun intended. Cause you know, coffee roasted, you know, you get it. Do you get it yes. rich? Do you get yes. it? Do you get yes. it? Okay. Yes. Well, I've got roasted for my coffee habits. I just want to set the record straight here really quick. Okay. It's a long day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long day. So yes, I bring my own thermos of coffee. Yes, right. it is 32 ounces. Right. Yes, I drink one of them. I get to the stadium four to five hours before kick. No, right. I still do not beat Gary Klein of the LA Times it's to impossible. the stadium. Fabulous guy. He always, notoriously, always the first one anywhere. You're never going to beat him. We're pretty sure that he's got a sleeping bag in there. Anyway. Yes. Yes, I bring my own sort of tumbler thermos thing. And it's clear so I can bring it in. It's very clear that it's coffee, but uh-huh. I but I drink the first round. I drink on my way in to the stadium, right. yeah. and then I sort of pray I'm not stuck in traffic because 32 ounces, who baby, that goes right. through you. So right. well, fortunately, there are no traffic issues at so far. Yeah, so you know, I've yeah. kind of I've had a couple of close calls, Rich. We want to had a couple right. of close calls, <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I, uh, I go in. And then I make an iced coffee, right? And I say, I sort of nurse it through the rest of, you know, the four hours before kick. Right. And then you get into the first quarter and all this stuff. Okay, well, they also, then I crack open a nitro cold brew can. It's small, okay? It's less Uh than eight ounces. (laughs) And I Uh pour, pour it into the iced coffee. And then that gets me through the second half and then the post game and then, there's maybe a little left over for my drive home. Late, right. late, late. It's like a 17 to 20 hour day. So right. it's technically, 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 right. technically, mm-hmm. it's only two and a half tumblers of coffee right. through 20 hours. And But, ha- but how many ounces? I, I, I'm, I don't know how to do the math. <laughs> okay. My, but I will tell you that... For every tumbler of coffee I have, and I don't, I'm no scientist, I'm no doctor. Maybe right. I'll ask Reggie about this. Yes. I do also have my hydro flask back, and it's 32 ounces. No, it's 40 ounces. Right. And for every tumbler of coffee I have, and yes, it is large. Okay. 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 I don't, I'm not going to quantify it and get caught in the numbers. You know, stats are for losers. Yes. But I do drink a full. Hydro flask for every full tumbler of coffee. So I wow. like I like to think that my kidneys are doing fine. Yes, I like to think that. Yeah, they 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 get they get more activity than Cooper Cup. Man, I mean, they're they, racking uh, up yeah. the yardage. I'll tell yeah. you what. I'll yeah. tell you what. <laughs> it's yak. It's yak yardage. Yards after coffee. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
I don't think you need to defend yourself for that, Jordan. Speaking I of think. defending, no. Yes. Speaking <laughs> of defending. Um, there we go again. There we went. <laughs> yes. That'll be the coffee. Uh, this will be the coffee episode. We've gone from tarts to coffee. But it's great. What a nice uh, little breakfast that would be. Yes, <laughs> a, little, a little tart with your with your morning and afternoon and evening coffee. Um, you, as as you were consuming all of this coffee, uh, you wrote two wonderful stories. Uh, the second, which of which was the pile, which is your normal post game um, recap of of what's going on, and the the defense just fascinating to me, Jordan, um, because. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how critical I'm supposed to be of this defense. You, you've got to help me out here because I watch the game with my eyes and, and I try to keep it pretty basic, pretty simple. You know, look at what I'm seeing, analyze it. I saw a defense that did a great job against the run uh, that just did not let Tampa Bay get going at, at all, really. 2.7 yards per carry. Tampa Bay's leading rusher was Tom Brady. Yeah, you don't see that With 14 yards. That's not... um, And I saw a defense that really, honestly, to me, Jordan, and I I would love to get your perspective on this too, but I saw a defense that that made Tom Brady just just uncomfortable enough. I mean, you look at the numbers, he went 41 to 55 for 432, one touchdown, zero interceptions. But to me, they made him just uncomfortable enough. They didn't hit mm-hmm. him a ton. They did. They sacked him three times, which is pretty good. Uh, but it just, he didn't look like he was in command the entire time. There were times when he did, but not throughout the game where he was just in a rhythm and just slinging it around. Like, I thought they did a good job of just keeping him enough off of his game. However... Then I look at something that you covered very well in in your column. So again, I would encourage everybody to go read that if if we haven't if they haven't already. But those explosive plays, Jordan, yeah. those those big plays. So like, how how do we balance this? Like, um, am I expecting unreasonable perfection out of this defense right now? I mean, they did hold a very 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 good Tampa Bay offense to twenty four points, which is something that not a lot of teams do, holding them under thirty. Uh, but those those big plays just kind of they make you cringe a little bit. So like what what's the balance here? Like how how should we feel about this defense right now? Yeah, I think this is the rare case. Um, and, I, you know, I even surprised myself thinking about this. You know that I am like defense obsessed, right? Like mm-hmm. it's I say this almost every podcast. It's nuts that I cover a Sean McVay team because I am <laughs> obsessed with defense. And so I think you think about it as simply as possible. It's Tom freaking Brady. And so when you think about stopping Tom Brady, it just has to be points. It has to be points. So for me, I thought they, the the reason I think, you know, I think they played really well, but the reason I'm more lenient and would, would absolutely forgive some of the explosive plays, which cannot happen against, you know, your average, like your average quarterback, you can't let that guy, you know, rack up 23-yard play, 31-yard throw. Like, you can't do that against, you know, Joe quarterback, right? But Tom Brady, you have to accept that he's going to hit at least one or two of those, maybe more. Even against, even against um, you know, the, the way that this scheme is set up. And that's kind of what Raheem Morris alluded to this week or last week um, when I asked him about it. Like, how do you go between, you know, 
playing your scheme and maybe having too much air in the coverage? And then how do you flip that into a dictation while knowing you're, you know, you're, you got a guy who's going to be patient and take what's in front of him. Um, and, and like, then try to open things up on his own. And, and that, he just said, basically, it was like, you have to accept that he's going to make some plays. And I think that's, I think that's fair. I think that's a, to me, when you look at it within those parameters, this defense did exactly what they were supposed to do. Now, a couple of things I don't, I don't like, I'll get them out of the way first. Um, I did not like the catch and runs. Uh, Those are not, you cannot have those. You have to contain on first tackle at the worst, you have to contain, you know, a yard, two yards after first tackle. The Rams are are concerning in that regard. It is still, it was week three. You are dealing with Rob Gronkowski and Giovanni Bernard, who are both good at doing that. You're dealing with Chris Godwin, who is good at doing that. So at the same time, you know, okay. But those still concern me because not not in the context of this game, you were allowing Joe Quarterback to do that at, on you. Like, you know, you were kind of allowing some of those things to happen. And so those those I don't like. Um, I, I'm a little tentative about the blitz rate. I think that the way that they play from depth, you don't necessarily like you won't maybe quote unquote die by the blitz if you blitz more because you have cont- you have contain over the top and you have, you know, sort of a roof over the back. So um, it's not just going to be open space when you bring one of the safeties down. Um, and then you have Jalen Ramsey. If you're doing it with Jalen Ramsey and Kenny Young, you still can keep the roof roof over the back of your defense. So I'm not necessarily as concerned, but they are blitzing, um, you know, at a, about a 31% rate right now, um, which is fifth most in the NFL. They finished in like the bottom, you know, eighth of the league last year and doing it. This Brandon Staley defense, it just does not, you just don't. But Raheem Morris, he blitzed a lot in Atlanta. And so for me, I'm curious as to how that that sort of turns out. And I, I just the the one, you know, the one or two drives where, um, you know, the, the Rams go down and score and then the defense allows a 15 play scoring drive like that's not you know, that's not always great. The thing that you can deal with, though, is preventing a touchdown every time they're in the red zone. First of all, when it's Tom Brady, that's 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 great. Because you know he's going to get there at least a couple of times. He is He's that guy. You know he's going to march down the field at least a couple of times. So it's not only about preventing in that scenario, which they did. They did a good job of doing that, holding a couple field goals. And then there was a, a fourth down they went for that was incomplete. Um, they did a very good job of... of you're, you know, we understand what you could do. We're just going to take away the things that could necessarily kill us, right? Um, and I think that that was a good strategy for them, was kind of like, you know, I accept the things I cannot change, <laughs> right? And like, and and the, and that thing I cannot change is that you're Tom freaking Brady and you have one of the best receiving casts in the league and they're versatile and they can show a bunch of different looks and a bunch of different things and it's going to put you in, in hell if you don't play incredibly sound in your scheme. And and I thought they did other than there was one break, that big play to, to Gronkowski that should not have happened. I think Dave, David Long was supposed to come over the quote unquote over the roof um, and contain downhill on that. And I'm, I'm not sure that's ha- that happened. Um, on the other, but, but there are a couple things that I really, really liked that made me think these guys are playing this really smart. And 
a couple of a couple of the things. One, they they pressured, they picked their places to pressure, and and did so in a in a smart way. They pressured Tom Brady eighteen times. They yeah. had eighteen pressures on him. So that's enough. Even in fifty five throws, that is enough to get you out of a rhythm. That's like a pressure every three throws. Uh, right. This is me. I can't calculate the ounces in my coffee tumbler, but <laughs> <laughs> somehow, right. yeah. But so you could do that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could do that one. Um, and and so that's enough. Like if you look at it in terms of downs, that's a pressure every three downs. If if you're looking at it in passing downs, and then it's technically even truncated, even compounded even further because you're not passing on every down. Although they kind of ended up doing that because they couldn't run the ball. The other thing that I, you know, you got him so flustered as a defense. That man is throwing out the back of the end zone at the goal line. Like that tells me everything I need to know about whether or not the Rams plan was working because that you don't see that very often. You do not you have not seen this Bucks team go under 30 points and this was a thing. It's it's it, it becomes about the points because you haven't seen this Bucks team go under 30 points in 9 games. That was the longest running streak in the NFL. And so holding them under that, I think the Rams kind of thought, we've been going over 30. If we can, you know, get over 30 and then hold 20, you know, 24, 26, 21, like if we can hold, that gives us a comfortable, we're comfortable doing that. And knowing that that's enough of a deficit to where we're still forcing them to pass more and we can pin our ears back and get that uncomfortable pressure going. And I thought that was I thought that was a smart plan. They played sound to their scheme. They still rotated post snap out of that shell. And Tom Brady freaking hates that. He hates that because when defenses play with landmarks, he can carve you up up and down the field, right? And that's when some of those defensive uh big def- big, excuse me, uh big offensive plays happen particularly if he has a guy which he didn't have on uh on Sunday, if he has a guy who can get over the top of the defense. And so when they're playing, first of all, visually, but then they're also rotating post snap. And then they're also um they're also like making things like murky enough after that rotation, especially with Jalen playing in this in the star and then them rotating within that package with Darius sometimes in the star and then Jalen on the outside. Like that makes things murky enough to where you're still, even though you're Tom Brady and you're pretty sure of yourself and you're, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And I'm not going to have this debate with anybody right now, but he's, he's up there. If he's not one, he's very close to be up there. You, you still don't like doing that. It still isn't settling. Like you still can't get into a rhythm. And so I, I like that they stuck with that plan. I like that they didn't try to do anything like crazy different. I like that they um I like that they stuck with their light boxes even with Leonard Fournette being able to go north to south has in the past. I like that they stuck with that and then and then that also works. That scheme works if you also have a quarterback who can get you a lead. Because if you have to start passing and you can't run the ball anymore, you look like you can keep your coverages the way they are. So it's like a, a double-edged sword for um for uh for Tom Brady and the Bucks because you know the defense the Rams defense gave the offense enough time by forcing those three and outs early in the game, forcing those punts early in the game, three punts to open the game. It gave the offense enough time to let Matthew Stafford kind of get settled and get his feet under him. And they knew he would, which again, it's kind of a little bit of a difference from last year. 
they knew he would, and then they built a lead to where not so so when you build a lead like that, and then the opposing offense has to start passing more. Now you can be even more sound with your light boxes. You can be even more sound with dropping more people into coverage because you're not worried about them running the ball on you at that point. So it all kind of, that's what I say when I mean it was so complimentary. Like it all sort of worked together. Like the, the defense gave the offense a chance to catch its breath. And once it caught its breath and grabbed the baton, it freaking went. Like it went, <laughs> it went at Tampa Bay and it said, you're in my way. And it just went downfield. <laughs> and I, I, there was a lot of profanity that almost came out just now and I will not do that, but it just was like, that's what it was. Like it just, right. it, they just went. And right. so to me, that's what I mean when, a, when I say a complimentary game, because it's not just about how you can, your schemes can help each other out. They can marry in that way where, where they can complement in that way. But also um, just, just sticking with it and being smart with it. And, and then the offense picking that up and then, and then going with it. Um, I just thought, you know, this is, this is something, this was a, this was out. I thought that was really outstanding, um, that, that, that the defense did. I have my nitpicks. They're probably not nitpicks cause there'll be big problems down the stretch if they keep going. Right. But, um, you know, and I illustrated those in the pile, but, um, but yeah, I thought that was, that's exactly how it's supposed to go. Yeah, it, it's just so different, Jordan, because like you talked about the complimentary football, you're absolutely right. I mean, you look at it and say, well, you know, this week against Tampa Bay, you give up 24. Last week against Indianapolis, you give up 24. If this was last season, like that's a problem uh, because you weren't confident that the Rams were going to score 25 points or more. Uh, you certainly weren't confident that they were going to get to 30 because as you pointed out, they only did it three times in 16 games last season. They've done it twice in three games already this season. So it, it's just that knowledge. I think it's, it's not anything. I mean, you don't, you don't count on it. You don't accept it as a given, but I think as you, you go in calling your defense and the way that you game plan or, or call whatever, uh, knowing that you're likely to get that support from the offense, I think you, you keep that in the back of your mind or maybe in the front of your mind. When when you think about how you're going to attack uh, an offense or how you want to play certain um, you know certain ways, and I, I think having that confidence that the Rams that Raheem Morris can have now in that offense really changes the game, um, and it does kind of cover certain things that you might last year have looked at and said, "Wow, that's going to be a problem because if they give up 24, this game might go to overtime, and then it's a coin flip." Uh, but this year, just a different story. So. One thing I loved, and, it, and it, again, it's not always like the the numbers or certain things. I loved those first two series where the Rams were just flying to the ball. Uh, they, you could tell they were just on it. And, hot and that, sauce, hot sauce britches. Hot so you, hot if you sauce are a longtime podcast listener, you know what that means. That's right. <laughs> and and that you know again, they had some issues later on in the game with you know getting a little bit loose and and that uh who was it I, I guess it was a Giovanni Bernard catch and run that was a screen pass there that uh, ended up going for about 30 yards there was a gronk so th there were some issues there but when they were on that early on I went okay these guys 
they're they're here to play. They're ready to play. And I, I thought that set a tone right away and really was needed because, as we mentioned, the Rams offense really sputtered for for, for most of the first quarter. But the way that those guys came out and, and were really on it, um, I, I thought was a was a great tone setter. And just Jordan, like such a great breakdown. Like I, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this after we after we publish it, because I really want to hear your what you said about Tom Brady again. And uh, it's it's just so true like 55 pass attempts that I'm, I'm repeating you just because I want to I want to reiterate the great point that you made 55 pass attempts 18 pressures they they only ended up hitting him at, this is a little bit of a wobbly stat sometime but according to the to the stat sheet official stat sheet they only hit him five times they only sacked him three times but that's not really the point uh, the point is you want to make that guy a little uncomfortable. And when he's being pressured one out of every three times that he drops back, he's uncomfortable. And when you pair that, like you said, with that changing the game on you, look, Tom Brady, you line up at the line of scrimmage. There's nothing that Tom Brady hasn't seen before. The guy's been playing since including your defense. Exactly. <laughs> he, he was playing your he was playing your defense before you were in the NFL. He, he was playing it when you. it was still Tampa, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's nothing this guy has not seen before. So if you think you're going to line up and fool him, you're not. And but but when you can fool him after the ball is snapped, uh, then you're making him un- uncomfortable. And when you're pairing that with pressuring him once every three times that he drops back, well, there's your formula right there. Uh, and and that's exactly what the Rams did. Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. He's not going to make stupid plays. He's not going to throw put the ball in bad spots because he's Tom Brady. But he's not going to get in that rhythm, and he's not going to make those game-changing throws that you think he might. Honestly, Jordan, like even in, in those tight situations, you know, the, the Bucks got back within seven points there at one point. I never really felt like, oh, here's the moment. Here's the moment where Tom Brady's just going to take control of this game. And I, I just, I didn't feel that. And I think that was a credit to, to the way that, that the Rams were playing. So, yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it go, like it, everything you just said and, and what we've been talking about this, like, I want to make sure, like, I want to make a point and maybe I'm being just like over, uh, over explanatory or like trying to trying too hard to explain the connector here, but like there is something there is something to be said and something you have to do and and how self aware you have to be as a group to say to not have the hubris and mm. and put the wax wings on and say oh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna go kick the shit out of Tom Brady like we can do it. Like right. it's Tom Brady, so <laughs> right. there's a there's a level of self awareness and a lack of ego that comes with saying, we are going to do the things that we know we are good at. We are going to stick with our scheme. We are going to stick with our our things that we know work, and we're going to play within ourselves and not overcommit to where he can get behind get the ball behind us. Like when you start to see, like for example, that one that the blown play with with Gronk, like um, you yeah. still saw there was still some some a guy there's still some depth that's supposed to slide over over the back of the dome, right? Right. But with this, it's like you can start to see, and you saw it, um, you see it a little bit. Some of the stuff you know that's happening with other teams around the league that are trying to run this defense is like you can overcommit if you get too confident, you could start to creep down. 
and mm. not even know it. And all of a sudden, boom, that's when Aaron Rodgers hits, hits the amazing throws, right? Yeah, that's yeah. when, you know, that's when the bad things happen. But there, to me, there is a lack of ego that comes with saying, essentially, I accept the fact that he's going to hit a couple plays on us. We're trying to limit the points. Right. We know how to do that. We know how to do it well. Um, we're trying to to limit the uh, the you know the the big plays. I mean, you know, it's arguable right. they they had had a couple there, but overall, it could have to me it could have been way worse, honestly. Right. And has been. We've seen it from the, from the Bucks that it's been way worse. Um, and and you know, just playing sound and aggressive defense and having sort of that. That, like I keep saying, that self awareness to not sit there and think that you can go out and outsmart Tom Brady right. or out quarterback plan Tom Brady, but instead doing the things that you do really well and accepting the fact that it's going to be a long game and you're going to have to just keep coming at him. And that's exactly what they did. You know, they just kept coming at him and they just kept trying to just play extremely sound. After the Rams, this is what tells me that after the Rams, scored that second touchdown to Cooper Cup. After Cooper Cup had that second touchdown, and I hope, I know we'll talk about that. It's just very fun. Um, But I really, really, really liked the way that they responded because they were up 28 to 14. But the defense goes out there, and um, Leonard Floyd sacks Brady. uh, He kind of takes him down on the keeper after he slipped a sack somehow like uh taylor rap said today he like slithered out of it and i thought that was a great a great way to sort of communicate sort of your disdain for somebody while also (laughs) describing what happens i'm going to use that in a story at some point um and leonard floyd contained him is only four yards so it sets up a longer second down okay and you know they have to pass because they're playing from behind right Mm -hmm. so they sent kenny young in for the pressure and he got the sack for a nine-yard loss. Then they set up a third and fifth. That sets up a third and 15, a hugely adverse down. And then the crowd gets really loud, and there's a false start. And then at third and 20, yeah. Aaron Donald does Aaron Donald things and makes a tackle in open field after literally weaving through all the traffic in the box from the opposite side of the field. So it, it's it, it like and, – and it gets four yards, and it's – you know, they have to punt. Like that response, you're up 14 points. And you come out and put the hammer down in that way. To me, that shows a, a huge awareness and a huge confidence of they know that they can do these things. They know that they can play within this plan and design it well and execute it and and do these types of things. And I right. think that um, that to me showed exactly exactly what you're talking about. They just they they just kept coming at him in the way that was playing within themselves. And I think that that was really, really important. Um, and it certainly helped the offense because you just need every point you can get against this guy. <laughs> so right. I, it just, to me, that, that I want to make sure that's noted because it just was like, that's what, that's the potential here. We talk about like, we don't even know where it's really possible yet for these guys. That's the potential, that drive to me right there. After, yeah. even after you could just kind of be on your heels a little bit, you could just play a lot of prevent, you could be loose, whatever. Um, when you're up 14 points like that, but rising to the moment of making sure that you are a part of widening that gap between yourself and the opponent um, collectively, I thought that was I thought that was important. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. And I, I'm fascinated to see how this maybe before we we end the episode, we can talk a little bit about what what this means for the Arizona game, and uh, obviously a little bit of a different 
um, look. Um, it's very, you know, a, a good offense. Uh, they've been putting up, uh, talk about 30-point games. I mean, they've, they've put up 30 in uh, all three of their games so far. Arizona obviously coming in 3-0 and uh, coming off a 31-19 win over the uh, – Still technically in the NFL, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, so it, that's going to be a great. It, it's almost like we've been talking about these these tests that come along as we progress through the season. And you just did a great job of breaking that one down. And and I think there's going to be another one coming in on on Sunday with with Arizona. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jordan, before let's let's make sure we we touch on the offense because there's a lot to to talk about here, and I I want you you another point that you made very well in your in your column the pile uh, that that really impressed me and and I thought coming off of the previous week I I think I had mentioned it on on the podcast last week that I was just I was a little I don't even say concerned but I I had I had noted the reliance on Cooper Cup and Robert Woods in in that game against Indianapolis of course it ended up working out fine but basically if the ball was in the air it was going to be headed in the direction of Robert Woods or Cooper Cup and it made me uh, just think a little bit and say I don't know whether that's sustainable and the thing about this Rams offense and this is so much of your your column so I don't want to I don't want to sound like these are my thoughts because they are yours but it, it was something that 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 I noticed also is just the versatility that that you can have in in this offense and you look at this game and yes of course Cooper Cup was still way out there he had twice as many targets as anybody else on the on the team but that's going to happen uh he got 12 of the 38 but then you look down the second most was a tie between Robert Woods and Van Jefferson Tyler Higby, who was pretty uh, quiet in that Indianapolis game, almost invisible from a, from a pass-catching standpoint, comes out and has a great game. I mean, only five catches for 40 yards, but wow, did he have some big catches and in, in big moments. So he's a big part of the offense. Deshaun Jackson, 
we 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 were reminded that Deshaun Jackson was still on the team. Not only did he did he have the huge seventy five yard touchdown that that sent Sean McVay sprinting down the sideline, <laughs> uh, but but he also had two other catches and he was targeted five times. I mean, it's, it's Sony Michelle was targeted four times. I mean, this is an offense that just. I had somebody tweet at me today and say, "How come Robert Woods is isn't being emphasized in this offense?" And it's like I get it when you look at the numbers, but it's this is exactly this must be a nightmare for for a defensive coordinator a defensive staff to have to uh, prepare for because one week they just they kill you with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and then the next week they're killing you with Tyler Higby and Deshaun Jackson and uh, Jordan you, you can speak to this much more eloquently because you did in your column but th- but that was just my takeaway from this was just wow they can beat you in different ways pretty much however they want to yeah oh and by the way the receivers are all running the same route trees Right. Minus Cooper Cup, who is basically allowed to, I found out today, it's amazing, like uh, introduce new concepts into the playbook, um, which I will have more on that this week. And I'm very excited about that. Uh, That's amazing. You guys, that's a tease for you guys. But they're all running, like they're running deep concepts with Van Jefferson, with Cooper Cup, Mm -hmm. with Robert Woods, certainly with Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson. Then the underneath stuff comes open and they're all those guys are running those too. <laughs> like right. it's just, what do you do? And I was, I was kind of giggling to myself because it's like, man, uh age-old tradition returns where I'm on, you know, I get to have the the honor of going on a someone's show or whatever, and it's fantasy football, and <laughs> they say, uh, is this the week for Tyler Higby? And I say, you know what? I can't even answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Right, right. And I said, I said, I'm going to tell you what I think, but I'll probably be wrong, just as a heads up. There's right. always that very brief silence, like, what the hell do we bring her on for? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know. I just never right. know. Right. Um, but, but what I want to say is, like, it's not just defending the receivers and all the different things they can do. Although that is, you know, if you just have that alone – you know, good for you. That's a good start. That's mm-hmm. really tough to it's tough to think about week over week, particularly with how complimentary now the layers are here, which I think it's nice. I haven't gotten one uh, angry tweet about uh, a lack of uh, high concepts, shall we say. Right. Uh, that that kind of have been there, but that's just my opinion. Anyway, I want to just yeah. kind of keep moving. Right. Um, <laughs> Go back and re-listen to last year's podcast. Just move along. The, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but the, the other thing is that you've got a quarterback who, I don't even know how to describe it. It's basically like they, he, Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay, they were in line in front of you right before the McDonald's ice cream machine broke. And they got the last vanilla swirl. And you know what? That's just, that's what the other team must feel like every single week. Because these dudes are coaching and playing like they have the answers because they do. And I want to just like, it's a little bit of a rant. Maybe not even a rant because it's cheerful, right? But it's, and it's not about the McDonald's ice cream machine, although what a bummer that always is. It's always broken. Anyway, Matthew Stafford, so they're not, they ran 11% play action on Sunday. This is this is the Los Angeles Rams. The Los Angeles Rams who led the league 
In play-action passing, since 2017, play-action passing, it just to, just to be brief, it's essentially we kind of always we call, we call it a cheat code for a quarterback because it sets up more time for the quarterback. Um, it uh, the defense has to account for you know a couple of options that might would generally come out of a play-action concept, whether it's a run or a pass. Um, it sets up route concepts downfield because it gives the quarterback a half a second of time. You know, Sean McVay, that was part of the way that he and Matt LaFleur adjusted the Shanahan system was to have even greater emphasis on the play action, particularly with Jared Goff at quarterback, because it just helped it helped Jared Goff out. It helps every quarterback out. The Rams ran play action uh, on average 35% of dropbacks or 35% of passing snaps um, over the last two weeks. And on Sunday, ran it 11%. Everything they did, 66% of what they did was out of the gun. The rest was under center. So when you have a quarterback who can, who can do that, it's not just that you're expanding your design as an offense and self-scouting your design as an offense, which needed to happen. It did. There were some things that were just getting figured out and all of that. But you have a quarterback who can do the play action, is actually near perfect in play action passing, 15 for 17, um, two touchdowns, 232 yards the first two weeks, and 13 and a half yards per attempt on those passing plays, which is very, very good. Right. Um, but when you now offer up the option you put that on you put that on tape and say i can do this but now you offer up the 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 sh- the sort of flip of that which is i'm just going to line up in the gun i got to drop back and i'm still going to throw it the hell downfield i don't need play action to throw it downfield buckle right. in buckle in sally <laughs> and i feel like that's that is just i mean they got the last ice cream cone that's really that's right. what it must feel like because you you now are saying you might have to look out for for a bunch of run a-, a bunch of play action a bunch of run action even some shotgun play action that they have been doing which they never did before you're you have to look out for concepts that are predicated on those things you also have to look out for concepts that are predicated out of uh me being in shotgun you also have to look out for concepts that are predicated out of me being under coming from under center you also have to look out for RPOs, which they are now running at a higher rate than they did in the last four seasons now. Um, you also have to look at, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's everything. It's yeah. the, it's, it's the run game that their teams are already defending and it could be a run or a pass on pretty much any play, depending on how they make things look. Or if, you know, Jake Funk's lined up in a empty, you know, it's just not going to be that if it's Jake Funk lined up at the, right. at the th- on a third and two. It's probably going to be a sweep, but we won't get into that again. Um, <laughs> right. You're defending the play action. You're defending the boot action. And then now you're defending drop back. Pat. Like, that's so much. And then it might just be a yeah. screen and nothing matters anyway. And we all, you know, we all turn to dust someday. Like, that just nothing. It just, <laughs> how do you, how do you do that? How do you defend that? Right. And then you look right. at the way they're stacking some of these route concepts. You look at the design of their screen game. You look at some of the motions that they're doing to make things even more confusing. And then you think, holy shit, half of this stuff looks the same pre-snap anyway, but they're right. doing something totally different out of it. I mean, they really, they are a step ahead right now. And, you know, it's a long season and teams will catch up. And you can kind of tell that they're doing some things 
where uh, they're they're sort of like floating certain concepts but pulling back on others. You can really tell. Um, I think you know you you not you not seeing Deshaun Jackson early on in the year maybe has a little bit to do with the fact that they're pulling back on some things to make sure that they can run with effect other things. Um, and you're going to see more wrinkles down the stretch, and you're going to see deeper things. The, the point is that they can happen. Right. When you can when you can have all of those pre snap all those pre-snap options that I so clumsily described just now, when you have all of those pre-snap options and then you have, you add then the receivers and the running backs and the tight ends and you have all the post-snap options. Not only does it expand the playbook because now you can match X with Y and X with F and X with Q and X with banana. Like you can do anything hmm. yeah. at this point and you have ultimate po- like infinite possibilities in that regard because you can just match pre-snap with post-snap you can just pull one from the other and just throw stuff out there but you also it makes the quarterback less one-dimensional against pressure teams at a certain point could pretty much tell when the rams were running a pass play versus when it was going to be a run play yeah. based on the way that they were coming out of the play action and that's not even to get started on the shifts post-snap uh, right. and the play action under center with the quarterback turning his back to the defense. That's not even getting into that. You could start to predict their tendencies. When you can predict the tendencies, the defense has the answer to the test already or one of the answers on the test sheet. Hmm. And then that allows them to get to the other answers more quickly. And that right. in turn, you you can hassle the quarterback better. When, when that quarterback was hassled, you can see a change in statistics and ball security, things like that. So right. everything compounds. When you have options like this with Matthew Stafford, yes, but also with the play design and also with a quarterback who is going to make the the hard throws, who is going to get the ball downfield, regardless of whether there's an action on it or not. Um, and you have receivers who are going to get open and make things happen in a variety of ways, not just sort of small ball and compounding like catch and runs. When you have all those things, you are adding so much more dimension than I think it's hard, it's hard to even know what the end result can be. And that's what I was talking to asking Cooper Cup about in the post-game press conference was like, how can you, is it almost like it's, it's just trying to figure out what's even possible. And, and when right. you have a receiver who starts to talk about the offense as like an evolving, like living thing, like it's, it's alive and it's growing and it's pliable like you, you probably need to watch out if, right. you're, if right. you're a defense. Yeah, it's it's you know to to me, Jordan. Like, and again, we, we're recording this on Monday night. Like, I, I love to watch the all twenty two, and haven't been able to to do that yet. But there are things watching live. Some of the stuff that they were doing with Cooper Cup, some of the stuff that they were even doing with Tyler Higby. I'm watching it live, and it's hard. But I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. <laughs> like, and you've know, been watching this Sean McVay offense since 2017. I've been watching these these two guys play for uh, pretty much that entire time. And and they're still coming up with, and it's just little subtle things that it's like, wow, that was really, really good. And I don't think I've ever seen that before from, from the Rams. And here we are, you know, three games into this is uh, what Sean McVay's fifth season now. And, and most of, most of these guys having been through that system for, for much of that time, and they're still finding ways uh, to, to take advantage of their skill sets that, that they hadn't uh, before. So that was the kind of stuff that was just so impressive to me. And yeah, Jordan, I mean, there we go. So I, I think this one is, you know, whatever we want to do on Twitter this week, it's it's got to be, you know, watch out Cliff Kingsbury, Vance Joseph, because Sean McVay, 
and Matthew Stafford are going to steal your ice cream. Oh That's no! It. As long as it's not the uh, the really scary milkshake speech from uh, what is it? There will be blood. Let's not get let's not get crazy about it. Uh, they they just got to the ice no, cream no, no, machine. No. They got to the soft serve before uh, before Cliff and and Kyler did. But but it's just yeah. it's fascinating to me because um, you like they're they're also in the process of like exploring what the depths are here. And right. that's really cool to me because you also have to win games <laughs> and, sure. you have, and you have to game plan for people, but you also are like trying to figure out how much you can do. And they knew that that's kind of how it would be. And, and Sean McVay had some really good comments. I asked him about exactly what this balance is in figuring out when to push and when to press in terms of what you what you're trying and when to kind of, you know, just go with the game plan and, and all of that. And he, he was he was good answering that and just basically said it's just all it's a constant balance. And you're constantly trying to figure out how far in advance to work, essentially, and how far like because you don't want to work so far in advance that you're just completely losing sight of who's in front of you. But you right, right. and you have to keep your feet, you know, and you have to be where your feet are. And it's a it's a old coaching cliche, but it's so true. Like you have to be keep uh, be where your feet are every single day, every single week. But at the same time you have to also be pushing these guys to explore what what we can try like we hey guys right. what what can we try this week and to right. me that's what's cool about covering these guys is like they've been doing that with their front office you know and you're seeing right. them do it on the field they obviously they very clearly did it on defense um but you're seeing them do it on the field in terms of I wasn't here in 2017 I didn't see what that first looked like live in person I right. watched it on TV but I didn't see what it looked like you know live in person as, as things are sort of blowing up and and being really exciting but they're exciting in a different way now and yes. they're exciting in a way that's that's new and that they're all sort of trying together and they kind of really just dig each other while they're doing it so I don't know it's just neat it's it's cool to see that happen it's like uh, a big, a big incubator, a big think tank, um, where nobody's like passive aggressive at each other, like <laughs> right. Nobody's right. nobody's like uh, you know nobody's leaving a mess in the microwave for their coworker to clean up. You know, like it's just it's just like it's just cool. It's interesting. They're asking questions of themselves and each other, and I think um, we've seen that for the last couple off seasons here with with what they're doing in the front office and translating over to the field in real time. Um, it's a it's a high wire act because you know. It, it's a long season. I mean, we're all right. we're very excited about what we're seeing right now, but it is uh, they've got a, a gauntlet here coming up to get through, uh, not oh, the yeah. least including all the road travel and it's travel on every holiday, and that's got to be hard on guys with their families. And um, I have no life and no family, so I'm fine. But <laughs> <laughs> they they will right. they will probably not enjoy it so much. Right, right. Yeah, but you know, it's just gosh, it's it's just so much fun and I I can't wait for these next couple of games uh, especially. I mean, you're right, Jordan, it's going to get tough. I mean, Arizona is a tough game and then not not that we're going to look ahead, but I mean, it, then it's a short week and you got to go to Seattle on a Thursday night, which is not going to be easy and not going to be fun. So, uh, they look, they've done what they can do, which is, which is three and oh, and, uh, they put themselves right where they, where they need to be. So uh, w- one thing I, I wanted to hit on just, just before we, we, we wrap up is it, it, it's, it might be a little thing, but you, you mentioned it in your, in your column, the pile too. Obviously Daryl Henderson didn't play in this game. Um, despite Sean McVay's optimism and hopefulness, 
Uh, I don't think anybody thought Daryl Henderson was going to play in that game, including Sean McVay. But uh, beside the point, we'll, we'll see what happens this week. But Sony Michelle steps in, um, carries the ball 20 yards for 67 yards, which you look at it and you go, eh, that's not that's not real impressive. But the one thing that, that you hit on, Jordan, was his pass blocking, which was extraordinary. If you slow down some of those plays or, or rewatch them, uh, what he did. But m- more, more, even more than that, Jordan, I just thought Sony Michelle fit that offense well. And and maybe it's a lot of what we're talking about here. I, I look at Sony Michelle and I think, is this a guy who I think is going to break off an 80-yard run at any time? Not really. Uh, but I don't know whether the Rams need that in this offense. You don't need your, your running back to be the game breaker like that, the way that some teams do. I thought he was efficient. I thought he was pretty smart running the ball. He obviously didn't fumble it, which is the first thing that you want from your running back. You don't want him to drop the ball. I, I just I thought it was efficient, and I just thought it was what this Rams offense needed. So I'm kind of curious to see if Daryl Henderson does come back. I don't know whether it would be this week. I don't know whether it would be the short week against Seattle, but have you did you it's just one game but I mean did, did you see enough from Sony Michelle there to to make you think that if Daryl Henderson does come back that it won't go you know back to the way it was in the in the first week or, or that we could see a little bit more of a, a balance or you know what do you what do you think about the the way that he showed out there well a couple of things aside from his pass pro which was excellent and he just like destroyed people's worlds out there but I think that like he was steady. He just felt steady, right? Yeah. Like when yeah. you, they needed to run the ball to sort of kill the clock and close the game, he ran the ball. Um, you you never thought it was going to be like an explosive run, but you also never thought it was going to be, you know, two yards minus one, three yards minus two. You know, you, right. know, you just, right. it was just solid. He just was steady. And that's kind of what you, the sense you get talking to teammates about him is he's just steady. He's very steady. He's calming that's really what you want from a running okay. back when you have a pass heavy offense. Like you yeah. just, he's just steady. I'm not saying Daryl isn't. I'm just saying this is what Sony was bringing, has been bringing um, yeah. in, in sort of an adverse situation. The other thing that sticks out to me is like, I still do not believe that Daryl Henderson is going to have much more than 15, 17 carries per game when he's mm-hmm. healthy. Mm-hmm. I think they're still trying to manage him. Mm-hmm. And, they, I think they will be to try to maximize his availability for them down the stretch. Well, that not only would imply a heavier complement between the two, but it also, Sony Michelle carried the ball 20 times and you didn't right. even blink. Like right. you just were kind of like, oh yeah, he carried the ball 20 times. Right. You know, if I saw that stat next to Daryl Henderson's name, I'd say, oh man, that's a lot of carries for him this week. You know, we're going to check the injury report next week. Right. We don't know right. yet because I don't, you know, Sony is still new and I don't, maybe he pop. you know, I hope nobody pops up on the injury report because it's just, man, painful game. But like right. it, you, you sit there and you, it, you don't really blink when you see stuff like that with a guy who kind of has that, that steadiness and he's had an injury history as well, but so far uh, is, is feeling good and, and carrying the ball well. And so for me, even when Daryl comes back, you, you also want to, probably still manage him. And so I would not believe that um, it would be a, a much heavier carry share than he already was getting. So what does that balance look like? I don't know. But do you sacrifice a compliment do, or do you sacrifice like 
getting him the ball uh, and and using a compliment and then maybe there's like a feeling of imbalance. I don't know. I don't know what that yeah. looks like. That's I'm glad it's not my problem to figure out. Yeah. But um, but it's going to be interesting. And I think that it doesn't take away anything from Daryl, who was having a great start to the season. Um, I thought he was also blowing people up in pass pro and doing very well. There's right. only a couple of things that I noticed that were issues, which were kind of like seemed like handoff uh, issues and maybe on some RPOs. Like I wasn't quite sure what was supposed to happen there. Um, but mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, you know, if you can get him healthy, it's it's probably a good problem to have, but it is a problem nonetheless in figuring out what that carry share is going to look like. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it's a, it's a tough balance, and I don't I don't know the answer either. I I honestly don't. But uh, it's Sony Michelle. Yeah, it, to me, it's you know you, you felt comfortable when they were kind of nursing that lead in the fourth quarter, and it was exactly what you were saying, Jordan. You didn't feel like it was going to be. I I don't know. I I haven't looked it up, but there, there might have been a negative carry in there. I don't have time to go through my entire play by play here, but uh, I certainly don't remember a whole lot where they were going backwards or he was putting them in second and twelve. Kind Kind of situations and and that's really when when you talk about this offense and what they can do throwing the ball that's that's really what you need um and and I thought he just did the job and was effective and by the way like I I deeply regret this Jordan because we're so deep into the podcast uh when we talk about the run game I, the, uh, and I will put myself at the front of the line on this haven't talked about it enough about the offensive line and and how well uh they have played talk about that run uh, you know, run blocking, but Matthew Stafford sacked only one time. He's only been sacked, you know, one time per game this season. I think Matthew Stafford deserves some credit for that himself. He has very good pocket awareness. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> it's a little bit different for some of those offensive linemen this year than it was last year. Let's just put it that way in terms of, you know, the, the, the knowing what the quarterback is going to be able to do in the pocket and what he's seeing and what he can do to to evade some of that that trouble. But um, look, you haven't been hearing about these guys. And, and that's the biggest compliment you can give to an offensive lineman really is not to mention his name. So I guess maybe we've been doing the Rams offensive line a great service by not talking about them because that illustrates how well that they're doing. But uh, yeah, to me, Jordan, like we question, I questioned it. I'm not even going to put it on you. I questioned it, whether or not some of these moves were the right things to do. But uh, so far, I, I don't think you can argue with, with what they've been producing out there. Yeah. And I think the the argument that I, I entered it with like a lot of skepticism when you go, you sort of make, uh, take a chance on someone who is they're the new version of who they are is like still a virtual unknown to you, which was the case with Brian Allen right. coming back from the injury. And so for me, my criticism was more so you don't have any good depth. Like your depth is not great. Right. So you need to hope that this works well. And so far it is. And those guys should get a lot of credit for what they've been able to do um, the last couple of weeks. They're currently – um, allowing only a 21% pressure rate. Uh, true media is clutch with the stats. Yeah. And that's 12th best in the league right now, but it also comes with the league's lowest sack percentage. So that right, is right. definitely very good. So 21 pressures in three games. Um, like it's just really, they're doing a great job. They they were blitzed at like a 30, 35% rate by Tampa Bay. You know, that defense is always going to blitz the crap out of you. Um, only allowed 10 right. pressures. Matthew Stafford was was sacked one time. Now, on the converse, we, we 
started the podcast talking about how uncomfortable Tom Brady was and nearly double those pressures and certainly double the sacks, triple the sacks, technically, you know, math. But I just think like it's it's the thing that's impressing me is the moments sort of between snaps when they're adjusting to the these expanded passing sets. They're adjusting to the way things are sort of spreading out and, oh, he's in shotgun and then, oh, he's going to drop back. Oh, wait, now it's a play action. Oh, is it a run or a pass? Like, you know, it's just those types of things. Adjusting to that is really hard. And you see that a lot. You see it happening a lot, the communication. Like you see a lot of times it's actually Austin Corbett uh, flipping around and communicating, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting. Um, but he also got the most work with Matthew Stafford in the spring. So I guess it's not super surprising, but like you yeah. see, you see them sort of flipping around sometimes and communicating and, um, you know, sometimes you're like, oh my God, snap the ball, but then they get the ball <laughs> off and then it's fine. But, um, it, it's, it's impressive. Like it's, it's been very, very impressive. And, and I think, um, it's just so much for them to keep track of, but I really also love how they're, um, they're getting downfield. I've been talking to a lot of the linemen for a project I'm working on and, the phrase looking for extra work just comes up so often um, about mm. just the way that they get downfield. And if they um, don't have someone to block, then they're looking for a teammate to pick up off the ground. And you mm. see that, you know, it, it kind of goes unnoticed most of the time. And then all of a sudden it's very, very noticed when, you know, Austin Corbett and Andrew Whitworth fall in a fumble. And prevent it and prevent a turnover because they're already downfield. (laughs) And, um, I just thought just sort of the, you saw some of the, the nastiness that they got into at the bottom of the pile and like, uh, no pun intended for my column, but making actually the the whole column is a pun. So yes, pun intended, but you saw some of the nastiness that they got into and like Whitworth, like ripping the ball away and like in all of these like pileups, like peeling teammates, like yanking team, uh, yanking, uh, uh, Bucks players off of teammates and like, They are just, they're just getting after it. And so that's, that's impressive to me. Um, I I think that they do deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, You know, this, we know this Rams front office, they take gambles, they take risks. And this one so far is one that's paying off. For sure. Yeah. And again, the the point you made early on, Jordan, is still very valid. I mean, the, the depth you, look, you never hope for for injuries. That that could still bite them at some point. I mean, you, it's very rare. The Rams, when they, when they had the great run, and uh, I guess it was 2018, 2017, they kind of run together at this point. But, you know, so much luck with health with those offensive linemen. That's not normal. That's not normal to have that for an entire season. So that still could pop up. And you certainly, certainly are not cheering for that. We're not, we're not hoping that it happens, but it is, still could be an issue at some point um, with that depth. So we'll see. We'll see what happens over, over the course of 17 games. But uh, certainly to this point, I don't. I don't think you can argue. And again, the 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 silence is is golden if you're that Rams offensive line because if people aren't talking about them, then uh, that means they are they're doing their job. So, uh, Jordan, I am excited for for Sunday. I have to be honest. Like I I think this is uh you know the Rams come in or, or at least uh, start off as six six point favorites against Arizona, uh, which is as we talked about going back you know over the the last few weeks. That, that's a big number. Uh, so Vegas seems pretty confident that you know the Rams are going to uh, to win this thing at home. I mean, look, Arizona's a, they they can move the ball. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to this game, and, and obviously two three and O teams uh, in in the NFC West. Uh, so first place on the line, and uh, you know we'll we'll see what happens. San Francisco dropped off a little bit because of that. Oh my gosh, Man, what that a game! Was crazy, that was. wasn't that amazing? Um, it, but it just showed. I mean, San Francisco going toe to toe with Green Bay. So kickers, and, and it, man. 
Kickers, oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, Corey Bohorquez with the hold on the big uh, Mason Crosby field goal. So, um, But, uh, you know, and, and Seattle's right there. And you look at them, and Seattle, Seattle's in the last, is in last place in the NFC West right now. And to think that they uh, are the worst team in, in your division, um, woo, wow, is that scary to think that, that Yeah, that that's be, not comforting. Uh, no, not exactly. <laughs> not exactly. So, uh, Jordan, it's going to be great. Uh, 105 kickoff on, on Sunday. Sunday afternoon. Uh, I know the the Rams, uh, you know, players. Everybody was talking about what a what a great atmosphere it was uh, out there at at SoFi Stadium. So I'm sure uh, it won't change on on Sunday. Uh, Jordan, as she's been uh, teasing already during this podcast, I, I can't wait. I don't even Jordan. I don't even know what you're working on, but this Cooper Cup story that that you described, like I cannot wait. I'm going to be like going in our CMS over the next few days to see if you're putting drafts in there because I, I want to read uh, this story uh, about Cooper Cup and, and the role that he has in, in helping develop this offense because I think that's I think it's going to be superb. So really, uh, really looking forward to that. And and of course, Jordan. All week long, leading up to Sunday's game, is going to have the, the best coverage out there. So please, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, I guarantee you that uh, it'll be worth it to read Jordan's coverage. And then, of course, you get all of our great stuff across the board. NFL, every other sport that you can think of. And there's always good deals out there. You can always find something, uh, a great way to sign up for The Athletic. But, but Jordan, if you go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel, you get... Jordan's favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount. You guys, you get a great discount. My favorite thing in the entire world. When you go to The Athletic uh, and you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my favorite thing in the entire world, uh, which is a great discount. And guys, I want to say thank you for bearing with us uh, several weeks in a row of tortured metaphors. Uh and if you guys have any questions about anything, um, please don't ever hesitate to reach out. Um, you know that Rich and I, we see, uh, we try to, I try to get to as many replies as I can. Sometimes I don't get to all of them, but we try to read everything. Um, we try to uh, respond to you guys, uh, messages, emails, comments. We love when you guys leave us five-star reviews. Uh, we read everything that you send to us in that regard as well. Um, and you guys, I just want to say, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, May you always get to the McDonald's ice cream machine before it breaks down. We'll catch you next week.